This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. We have reached episode number 123, if you can believe it, and Holy with me, as shit. always, <laughs> is my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Uh, it's going about as good as it can be going. Um, yes. I, I was thinking about this. We're like doing a bit of a time travel thing, which we always do because we record a week or two ahead of when this airs, so... It is it's like uh, a time capsule. It, it, it is. It's a time capsule. It is currently um, November second, twenty twenty, and so tomorrow we find out what the hell is gonna happen <laughs> to our country. Yeah, it and has been a year, and this is just adding, you know, all this wonderful. Should I, you know, I was gonna be sarcastic, but I'll just, not, I'll just not be say it. But all this wonderful stress that we really need on top of everything else going on, but. Well, you know, and uh, it's it's interesting because I was as we were watching the movie that you know we we reviewed for the night, I kind of got mm-hmm. I, it 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 didn't occur to me until we were getting ready to record tonight how this is really a, a quite a good pick to fall yeah, on this evening. Yeah, quite a <laughs> quite a relevant one. Yeah. Just with the you're you're kind of taking gambles here, right? And um, you know, I we we've chatted we. we as I like how you've worded it since the origin of this podcast. We've never made it a political podcast, but we've also never shied away from politics when it's relevant to a conversation. I'm not going right. to... Neither one of us sh- you know, will will shy away from expressing our views. Um, but uh, holy shit, yeah, this, this... It's terrifying. This crossroads. This has been an entire year of this, of I don't know what's going to happen. Like that's been the mantra of 2020. What's you know, yeah? What are we gonna do about Lots this virus? I don't know what's gonna happen. And Americans don't deal well with uncertainty. So, so. yeah, and it's in, it's been an eye-opening uh, privilege. You know, mm-hmm. it's been eye-opening the kind of privilege that we have. Um, and, I, and I'll go out and oh, say it. I God, think it's yeah. predominantly white America. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest. It it predominantly is that we're very used to our cushions and our our bubbles and we like things to be boring and regular and fairly vanilla and you know what to expect from one day to the next and i think that's a, a it's part of a privilege that oh wow we just lost one more of our 12 listeners um you know it's uh <laughs> no i mean it, it it's something that we you're right we don't handle well and this has been a year of testing that. It's been a, a, you know, an entire gauntlet. Um, right. Really the last four years, but definitely the last year of that. So yeah. it's well, hard to... I wouldn't to too much it. about it. I'm pretty sure we filtered out most of the people that you're, you're worried about losing when we did our Black Lives Matter 
uh, statement. So probably, um, <laughs> we don't, we're just talking to our to our friends at this point. But which I'm so no, pissed it, off, and I'm gonna actually spoil this for this joke for myself because like three weeks ago I ordered a hat on Amazon that's like a red Trump hat, but embroidered on the front it said "Made you look Black Lives Matter." And I still haven't gotten it, so I'm hoping it gets here tomorrow, where I can at least wear it where it's somewhat relevant. Yeah, whoever's making them in China is probably uh, backed up. So. Yeah, probably, and somehow Trump's probably still getting paid for it. But. Oh yeah, it's probably his company. So, but yeah, I mean, Uh, it it does kind of fit into tonight, tonight's episode, in in a way. I mean, it does. And uh, yeah, and I don't like being overtly political. I, 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 I just don't want to alienate anybody that's here to you know listen to us talk about movies and, and whatever. But I also don't want to shy away from the fact that I am, you know, unhappy with the the current um, political atmosphere. Let's just say so. Oh, anything specific except it's just this crazy feeling going into tomorrow, and you know who knows. Yeah, I, I'm so, honestly of the camp of like I I don't feel like it's gonna be you know Armageddon like a lot of people like there's there's some, some tension or some you know people thinking that the world's gonna come to a or our country I suppose not the world but it's gonna come to a screeching halt tomorrow but I doubt that's true but I do think it's gonna be a rough one either way like and little did eric know in that moment children that that was the beginning of the video junkyard podcast becoming free radio for the people of the united states of america during the upcoming apocalypse but yeah i, I agree i think we're looking we we i think we're almost certainly going to see some kind of um, vocal unrest Yes, and I think, that, I, I think it'll sure. be mostly isolated incidents. I think there will be a very strong support on social media. Um, this has been a rough four years, and I think this last year has been even rougher, not just because of the virus itself, but because of how it has continued to polarize people. When when medical emergencies become politicized, we have a problem, uh, yeah. and that that's not uh, a that's not a, a, a disease in and of itself, but it's a symptom of a bigger one. Uh, the rejection of science, the rejection of facts. Um, yeah. This this is a major problem, and I don't care if it was Donald Trump or anyone else. This is a problem. So, and, and I'm not expecting if Joe Biden were to win that everything would just get better the next day. No, there's been a lot of damage done to this country Uh I know you and I both have lost relationships with very close friends and family over the last four years. Yeah, and unfortunately. It's, it, it is unfortunate, and it, it it kills me. But, you know, I, I've got to look at my kids and talk to them, and my daughter's old enough to know what's going on, as I've mentioned before. And, no, I can't say something like, well, this friend of mine, yeah, I know he made that Facebook post where he said white pride, but, you know, he's a good guy. No, I'm not going to tell my biracial <laughs> kids that because that's fucked up. Right. You know, no, you shouldn't. I mean, those people shouldn't be defended. It's and it just it really. And I've said this since the day after the 2016 election. Nothing has changed in America other than our perceptions of each other, because you can't yeah. unsee what you've seen. Well, and here's the thing is, I hope in the long run, um, this all ends up 
you know, silver lining, this all ends up being just a, a nice awakening for, for people. I hope and, so. You know, that now we, we could take a step back and be like, oh, uh, you know, I, stuff has always been going on in our country, un, you know, when we've been unaware of it. And um, maybe we can take a step back and actually listen now and say, I, you know. I, I, hey, Germany pretty much has their shit together. And they went <laughs> through a really rough patch where they murdered like 11 million people. Wouldn't it be cool yeah, if we could get our patch. wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if we could get our shit together without doing that? I mean, could we stop would, at two hundred thousand? I would like that very much if we could, yeah, not go the go that route. But that's how you make America great again. Learn the lessons without doing the damage. Yeah, that's yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is you know somewhat <laughs> appropriate. It's topic. It's uh. You know, not totally out of context to be a little political, not only is it the eve of the election, although those of you listening right now all know how this already played out. So you have all the spoilers that we're, uh, you know, we're talking about this. and We're like either right on the money. To you, it's <laughs> yeah. going on right now, you know. We're, sure, we're, so. People are going to listen to this in a week and a half and go, wow, they're either right on the money or totally fucking off. <laughs> so. Yeah, like what a bunch of paranoid weirdos. But uh Anyway, yeah. it does kind of play into the movie we uh, we watched for this evening, and we're going to talk about this evening, because it is a socio-political kind of sci-fi thriller, and that is the 1997 film Cube. A cube. 26 rooms high. 26 rooms across. 17,576 rooms. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Cause I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. I looked in the room down there and something almost cut my head off. Motion detectors integrated into the walls. Tough to spot. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the trap. They're identified by prime numbers. Figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. No more talking. No more guessing. You gotta save yourselves from yourselves. What the hell's going on? We haven't been moving in circles, the rooms have. We are the key. The cube is us. Uh, cube was directed by Vincenzo Natali, um, who I believe also wrote the script. And, um, yeah, this is one that I had a very vague awareness of when it was contemporary, but fell off my radar really fast. And I don't know if I even, like, talked to anyone about it, had an awareness of it until, like, way later when I came across an article about the Cube series in a magazine. Um, is this something you were aware of what it was going it, on? Like, in... I, this one's been recommended to me again in the late '90s, early 2000s when it was new, uh, relatively new, and people were still. And then you know, it's, I think the first sequel came out in like 2002, so it wasn't you know mm -hmm. five years later, um, which isn't totally unheard of for like a sequel. 
Um, but I never saw. I, I vaguely understood the concept, um, but I I didn't see it. This was a first time viewing for me, um, which is interesting because there are some overlaps to yet another franchise that became much more wildly popular, mm-hmm. and that's the Saw <laughs> films. Yeah. Um, but and those of course have gone through a variety of different incantations and real quality I, as well. Um, I was struck by the similarity to a couple of the or the, I guess I've only seen two of the Saw movies to be honest, and um, I've always kind of given a nod to the second Saw movie because I thought it you know had a little bit more. I liked kind of the way the characters played. It kind of dropped you into the action. And, yeah. And then when I saw watching Cube, I went okay. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to give that quite as big of a tip of the hat anymore because really they just did this with the saw. They took the saw scenario yeah. and they dropped it. They they did this with it. So right, because you got the group of people like in Saw Two <laughs> and the first Saw movie is just in you know a person here and there, but it was the group thing that made that one a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then it was more about you know the group. It was about the traps and stuff too, but it was about the group interplay. And it's like they really just made Cube, but dropped Jigsaw and some Jigsaw puzzles and traps into it. So, um, but you know that's actually not. There, there's a whole subgenre that we've never really discussed, or I haven't heard anybody really discuss it, of horror films that deal with tense social situations where you have a group of people trapped in a situation. <laughs> well, one of my favorite and your yeah. favorite horror films, I believe, and that is the original Night of the Living Dead, yep. directed by George Romero, um, is is certainly one of those, if not the originator of the entire I mean, subgenre. It, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's what that movie's about. Oh yeah, and there's mm-hmm. zombies, but that's what it's about, is the way that people of different socioeconomic backgrounds get along or don't get along during a crisis. Which is why it's topical for right now, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, get a quick synopsis of Cube, and uh, Cube's a Canadian science fiction horror film, essentially is about a group of people that become conscious and are trapped inside of a um, strange, you know, cube, cube, set of cubed rooms that are connected by passages, uh, booby traps in some of them um and they basically are the, the the crux of the plot is they have to figure out what one where they are what is going on and how to get out of the situation um and that's really all we get um that's what it is you know yeah it's um, like being trapped if 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 you had a rubik's cube and it was huge and each cube, each block in the rubik's cube was a different room and some of them have booby traps and it's constantly moving and you have to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a very, um, and this is something that, a term that would, you know, wouldn't become a cultural thing until, you know, much later than 1997, but it's got a very escape room feel to it. Uh, yes. There's, you know, the whole thing is kind of a big puzzle that they need to work through. And the strength of the movie, and I think the premise is, the premise is very um, compelling and works, it's kind of what pulls us through this entire narrative. But um, it, the escape room aspect of it that we're always, you know, kind of dealing with what's the next challenge. And uh, the real challenge that the characters have is they are butting heads with each other on their different, um, you know, approach on how to well, on how to approach the situation. So I think the most interesting thing about the movie is, is, is 
the premise is good. The premise sets us up and gets us interested, but the, is actually the characters themselves. Um, did you have any any thoughts right off the bat of like um, the way that uh you know the each of the characters kind of represents something about society or I I, I um, yeah I thought it, there were a couple of interesting things. First of all, the and I didn't realize until I read up on it later, and then I went back and it's very clever. Um, these people only uh, learn each other's names initially by their their they wake up in their the cube or in a couple of different rooms and they end up meeting up in almost like prison uniforms with their last names stenciled on the shirt. Mm. And everybody's last name, incidentally, is the name of a prison somewhere around the world, especially like yeah. the U.S. or France. I thought that was clever. Um, but yeah, you have uh, a person who is a former police officer. You have somebody who's a doctor, but like a very liberal, like Doctors Without Borders, free doctor kind of thing. Uh, you yep. have a she works in the public, public yeah. health sector. You have a, yeah. a, a like an advanced math student, college student. You have a savant, um, mm -hmm. a kind of mysterious guy who doesn't want to help with anybody. You have a guy who's an expert in prison breaks. So there's this mix. But if you take away those roles, the names of those roles, the characters you're left with is... An authoritarian figure you have a an idealist you have yep. self-serving you have innocence you've got these very basic human characteristics and seeing how they butt heads when trying to solve a problem um it the the socio-political message is not subtle it's about as subtle as zombies coming to a mall to consume it's really <laughs> yeah. in your face uh but it, yeah there's it, nothing it was, nothing subtle it, about the characterizations because like you said they are literally like this is the authoritarian approach or worldview this is kind of the bleeding heart you know mm -hmm. um you said like the public doctor she's like she kind of takes the like liberal bleeding heart type worldview and then yeah there's the, there's innocence there's this i guess two kind two forms of innocence and that's the the I was I actually kind of pegged the mathematician as the academic, yeah, and then innocence being the savant character, um, and then yeah, self-serving, um, but yeah, e each one of these things is is certainly less a character in themselves and a personification of a certain type of worldview, and then mm -hmm. they throw them you know e even more deliberately than something like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, you know the uh, mm -hmm. other socio-political horror sci-fi films that we. Oh, we're talking about um i feel like this is even more heavy-handed but i for this movie i think it works really well because it is kind of a microcosm like just a experiment in you know how do we as a society solve problems but we're going to give it you know nice gory trap scenes we're going to give it a time limit on each of these things and 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 kind of push these people through so we're going to force people to work out these problems and see where we end up at the end of it mm-hmm and yep. so that's the thing I think that's the most compelling about it throughout the whole thing. These characters as characters kind of fall, take a, a backseat to the worldview that their character represents, I think, in a lot of cases. Well, and I, I liked the time issue because that pressed something. And again, topical is the, the, the they don't realize until later in the film 
that they really do have a time limit. That they can stay in a room forever. I mean, if it's a if it's not a booby trap room, they could stay in that particular cube and they're fine. But when they realize if we want to get out of here, there's a sequence on the movements and we need to get out of here at a certain time. It it suddenly there's a pressing matter of time and it pretty much is a a, a little bit of a moral about complacency. Mm-hmm. And that was very clever. Um, this movie is full of very clever ideas. Um, there were a few things that kind of distracted me from it while watching it. Uh, some of the performances, some of the way that they portray these worldviews is yeah. a bit heavy-handed. And I'll give them credit because you're right. You have this kind of bleeding-heart liberal doctors without borders free clinic person. And then you've got the ex-cop who, of course, they, they also slathered on a layer of, like, you know, not a good father and husband kind of, yeah. you know, thing, too. Um, so you allude like to, yeah, the fact that he's he's separated from his wife. There was domestic yeah. abuse involved, and yeah. Yeah, so you've got that, and then, yeah, but at the same time, it's not portraying the liberal doctor as perfect. She's No. She would I be incredibly they... hard to deal with. She's not a nice person. She's... she's a real pain. She, she tends to overreact. She's full of conspiracy theories about everything. Yep. Um, yeah. She's the quintessential I, example of have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. Yeah. You know, well, and I think every one of these, uh, you know, stereotypes, not serious. Yeah. I mean, kind of stereotypes, but each one of these archetypes, these characters, uh, is a criticism of it. Like there's no like one that, I, and I'll get to the like, how I feel like they they did pick on uh, the character of Quentin a little bit harsher than they did everybody else, and, and, and probably for a good reason. And especially in the modern world, it seems, makes this movie play stronger. Um, but I feel like each one of them, they are criti- You know, they're 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 bringing the strengths, uh, yes, e- the strengths of each one of these worldviews. But at the same time, they're criticizing them and saying, you know, they show the faults as well. So I think that's the most interesting thing about it, and, they, and the, I think they stop to feel like they stop feeling like real people, the characters in this movie, and they do feel like a analysis of a, a of a personality type more than mm-hmm. anything, except for you know obviously um, I forget what his name was, but the savant character, you know, he's obviously Kazan, auti- yeah. high functioning Kazan. That's right, yeah, high functioning aut- autistic or something along those lines, um, but it's. The, the, I guess for me, that oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, like the character of 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 Levin, who was like the student with the math skills that mm-hmm. you know you you brought up. I totally agree. Her her archetype was really the academic, and I did appreciate how they portrayed her in the beginning. And I'm I might piss off some of my academic friends with this, but one one issue <laughs> that academics do run into is everything's logic based, and so. Mm-hmm. They they kind of pour, they played up this stereotype of uh, at the very beginning when they all wake up she is like totally functionless she's like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here I'm not a special person I can't do anything I can't do shit I'm just she's kind of worthless until they realize oh there's numbers involved and then she's like yep. oh this is my thing I mean that'd be like put me in a harsh uh, in, a, in a stressful situation and there's nothing to do with yeah. rocks fossils or dinosaurs I'm yeah. gonna be like I got nothing. You know, and and it it kind of portrays that too. There, there's a little bit of an elitist thing there. I'll I'll own that with with mm-hmm. the academic. So yeah, they they really do a good job with 
showing the faults of all of these worldviews, yet also showing that they all have a place. Even the character of Quentin, who is the police officer, yeah, he has some good moments where it's like, he, yeah, we need this right now. He starts off as being the hero, you know, the character yeah. that, that steps up as their leader, and he seems very like calm and collected and well put together, and he's the obvious choice at the beginning of the film to, to be the person that's going to lead them on. But as time goes on, as they lose more... Or as you know, danger increases as you know, starvation and, and dehydration start to become an issue. Um, he the cracks in him not only show up, but like it shows that those are cracks like to the core of him as a person. And um, he hit you know all of his worst, for lack of a better word, and I don't mean to you know offend anyone who might be an, a police officer, but all of his worst cop traits, uh, you yeah. know, come pouring out of him. You know, the the ultra the uber machismo kind of thing and then also that he 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 just takes for granted that he's the leader and everyone must fall in behind him and um he gets violent with people he uh, yep. you know attempts to, sexually assaults levin at one point or at least attempts to um there there's a lot of he's his big thing is he really fails to see how anybody else is truly as important um yeah it really is kind of a get in line, fall in line behind me, kind of thing. Um, and, so, and so yeah, I thought I thought just the the way they portrayed these characters was really interesting, um, on how they yeah, all and, portray and, different worldviews and and personality types, uh, and and showed how challenging that can be when you have different people trying to come together to solve a problem. And again, to bring it back to a topical thing, the way that. People of all political views today point the finger at each other and say, well, they don't deserve this, or they're the problem, and they're the cause of this. And it's everybody contributing, because everybody in this, including Kazan, who is, is the, the savant, causes a problem at one point or another. Mm -hmm. Everybody in here is, is showing that they're struggling to work with a group. But on the other side of the coin, everybody in there is also necessary to the exactly. you know, eventual outcome of getting out exactly. of the cube so yep exactly they don't all make it through <laughs> mm -hmm. but they're all necessary to get to the end right and well yeah. and had you had you know they they played the cards perfectly and not clashed with one another which obviously was impossible being the you know the personality types but you you think you know if you play play only on the strengths of all of these people they should all be able to put it together and get out of this thing you know whoever whoever's running this experiment whatever it is um which by the way we never we don't get an answer to it i, I right. actually it's one of the major criticisms of this movie that i disagree with i actually think it's one of its strengths um because it does it just it pretty much that being the ending where we don't get a big like explanation of everything just just points the microscope right back on that like it it was about these people about these worldviews and about you know about working together about solving problems about these things it wasn't necessarily about you know who's controlling the cube that wasn't the story the story is what went on inside of it and um yeah so i think that that's all interesting stuff like acting wise um like you said i think you brought it up earlier mm -hmm. there are some weak points here and there um can uh you could kind of tell it's you know the lower budget movie and uh it does not have any 
quote-unquote name actors in it. I do believe I've seen a couple of these people pop up in things um, here and there after this this film, but I think everyone does a pretty good job with it. The one person that bugs me the most is is the actor who plays Quentin, and I feel like in some scenes he's just... I mean, and I, some of it's intentional, obviously, to characterize who he is and what he's all about. But his delivery is a little heavy-handed sometimes, even when it's even when it seems like it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, other times it works. Like when he becomes, I don't know if he, I don't know if you want to say he becomes the villain of the film, like of the. Uh, but in that scenario where he starts working against the rest of them, when he becomes outside of the group, um, that all works works for to his advantage. But I feel like maybe he turns it on a little too early. So, but then again, maybe I was supposed to hate him. Right off the bat, maybe I just tapped into that. I don't know. True, but yeah. Any and I feel like he was the one character, uh, the authoritarian, the police officer, the um, that the filmmakers and you know the writers of this film had the most to criticize about. They they are f- pretty fair about criticizing everybody in this film and bringing out you know not only their strengths but also their weaknesses. But Quentin really becomes a monster when. You know, he, he becomes the monster, the Minotaur in the maze or whatever. And um, because of these these faults in him, these cracks in, in his personality. And that is his his obsession with uh, not only his, his superiority complex, but also his reliance on violence and intimidation to get to, to push his agenda. So, yeah, pretty topical unfortunately at the moment it, it is it is though i i think this is um you know like i said this was one that it took me uh, like until you recommending it for this to finally get around to seeing um but it's surprisingly smart they they did leave some uh something to be desired with some of the some of the acting in the script but the story is very interesting and i totally agree i think this movie benefits from not knowing who designed this, why they're there. Because ultimately it doesn't matter. Ultimately yeah. it doesn't matter. It, it, the, the focus of the film is about people of strikingly different viewpoints being put together in a situation that is literally life and death. Mm-hmm. And they have a time limit. And that is... Uh, it's a really interesting reflection and whether it'd be topical or not, you know, timely or not. Uh, I think it is, it is, I can see why this movie had an appeal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it grew as kind of a, what we would call a sleeper hit on video. I think it, it did have a theatrical release, but um, became kind of a cult classic through the video stories right. and such. Um, so yeah, ni- 1997, I feel like another thing I want to, you know, uh, applaud this movie for doing is i feel like it's female characters although just like everybody else they're full of you know their own human weaknesses but they're actually like well-drawn characters nobody's ever apart from levin having some you know issues in the first few minutes of the film during her you know when she first wakes up and is confused um but they're both very they, they never fall into being like damsels in distress like you know women in need of rescue uh they're both very set in who they are and and play play their roles and and obviously levin might end up being the most crucial character in the entire film for this group to make you know any progress at all they needed her 
um, you know, her understanding of the numbers and such. So everything was kind of hinging on her, um, which, you know, promotes Quentin to become, you know, an abuser eventually um, throughout the film. But these, um, I think the female characters are done really well. And especially in 1997, doesn't sound that long, long ago to me, but it, you know, it is. (laughs) And, uh, you know, not everything contemporary was, was doing that at, at this well, point, I think we were still in the age of the, um, you know, the rebirth of the slasher movie and, um, you know, st- stuff like that. So, well, I think it's really telling too that there's here's a film from 1997 that has very, you know, the cliche line, you know, strong female characters, but it, yeah. it does, and there's still a ton of mansplaining going on, which they demonstrate them in the film they don't like <laughs> you know yeah and mm-hmm. um it also shows a kind of a disdain for academic types it's like i need you to get me through this but god damn it i'm, I'm still gonna treat you like shit yeah um well and then you know and then uh what's her name holloway ends up pointing out that quentin's only treating levin like a, a person because he's you know got a thing for young women and that kind of comes out of nowhere when she says it but then it very much is, is part of what he's, you know, part of his agenda. So, yeah, um, it's yep. it, in, it's interesting because, you know, it, I think the evolution of character. I think that's what, what keeps this thing going through the second and third act of the movie is that um, these characters keep evolving in a way or you keep, I guess, not evolving as much as you keep understanding more about them and uh, your, you know, perceptions of quentin and holloway and levin um and and worth as well um change act to act and by the end you know you really see through um quentin and and all of his actions in the beginning make make sense in a totally different light by the time you get to the end um so i guess the same could be said of of holloway as well worth as you know he represents a you know, totally different type of character. He's 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 apathetic. He is, um, you know, you think he's just kind of this uh, guy that's going to get in the way. He's going to be like the um, sparring partner for Quentin or whatever. And he's, um, but it turns out that he's actually just like totally racked with guilt. Essentially, yeah. ends up not being a bad guy at all. So that so they one eighty all of these relationships throughout. So it makes it interesting. It it, it really does. Um there was checking my notes there was one other thing i was going to to bring up about that but um oh just how the the acting as i mentioned before the acting is a little clunky at times it can be yeah and, and it, it can take you out a little bit but some of the reactions here are are good and very realistic um this really I remember exactly what I was going to say now. This is what I always appreciate movies that I could watch and see this would make a great stage production. Yeah. And this yeah, one I actually really wrote that down could. as well. Like, this could be a great stage play. And I'm surprised it hasn't been, if it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know for sure that it hasn't, but yeah, it, it, you could do this, you know, on one set. Change the lighting. Like, yeah. 
Because some of the rooms and, uh, are green and blue and red, and you could have them walk off one side and come on the other, and the lights changed. And um, I don't know how you do the booby traps, but I'm sure that could get worked out. And, and the, oh, yeah. the traps are interesting, too. You've got, you know, like razor wire, which cuts people into tiny little blocks, or, uh, <laughs> you know, it sprays acid, or there's fire explosions or whatever. But there's there's some really cool... Um, they kind of run the gamut of, like, if you think about traps, like, there's pretty much every variety of trap you could think of um from everything from lasers to yeah razor wire to fire and um yeah which i guess is a good segue i sorry i should probably let you finish your thought but a good segue to i was gonna want to talk a little bit about kind of more technical aspects of the film like what did you think of the uh special effects and the the set design the the effects are pretty dated i mean there's there's some really bad cgi but it's 1997 cgi Mm. so it was actually fine then but it it leaves something to be desired today it looks pretty pretty rough um yeah there's a couple of places it bugged me and there's a couple of places it worked so yeah i think overall it's it's fine um considering you're watching a movie that's already a bit dated with its style um but yeah i thought the set designs i mean it it was it was interesting to see. I'm sure the only thing they really changed a lot of those is just the color of the room. Uh, yeah. This the light. It was shot. It was shot on one set, mm-hmm. and um, they just kept you know changing the the color of the room. And they didn't actually change the color of the light. They actually went through and changed like there was slide glass, I guess, that went through and changed all the like light um, of the room, which took an entire day to change the lighting on the whole set. So they had to shoot all the red room scenes and all the green room scenes and all the like, in, oh, wow. so it was shot totally out of sequence, which is, you know, not, that's not heard of. Yeah. Yeah. For films. But, um, yeah, so it was, the cube was one set with a removable wall that they would close sometimes and shoot it like close quarters. And then sometimes they would shoot, you know, from outside, mm-hmm. but they, uh, did the whole thing on one set, and which is another reason it would totally work on stage. Um, the one thing I found super interesting when I was reading about it was the fact that they hired a mathematician uh, to be yeah. a consultant on the film, and the entirety of the mathematics used in this movie are actually 100% accurate. He actually wrote out an algorithm that, that made this all work. So... If there were people in this situation, in this cube, as described, the mathematics totally work out. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. It, it so does mathematically leave, sound. It does leave you wondering who the hell designed this and why and why are they here mm-hmm. and what are they doing? And it's yeah. also rewarding that they don't give you that. Because yeah, I, I think... I don't, and I don't know. I haven't seen the sequels. I guess I hear a question, bef- and I know we're getting close to getting towards grades, but... Um, sure. Sure. Has this made you want to go watch any of the sequels? Um, I mean, yes. Based on the quality and my enjoyment of this film, I would say yes. Based on what I've read about the sequels, I'm still a little hesitant. Okay. <laughs> because supposedly they're both not very good. And I feel like um, I don't know much about them. I feel like from my, the short bit I've read about them, it's probably the fact that I do feel like... Uh, or I, I, think I, I think they do try to explain more about the situation and that probably takes away from it but then again you couldn't just make this again right you'd have you got to add a little something to it to make a sequel there's got to be higher stakes or you know bigger situation um oh, i don't know they did a bunch of saw movies without changing much that's true <laughs> <laughs> friday the 13th and 
<laughs> Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser oh. and Texas Chainsaw ha- Halloween, Massacre. Halloween's guilty, but I feel like uh, Friday the 13th really got creative later on. They, they changed a lot of stuff. But later, yeah. Later. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I am generally curious, yes. I, 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 if they were free, you know, and I haven't actually looked to see if they are on, on Tubi or, or free somewhere. I might check them out. Like I, I, I liked this enough that I would, I would go on and see what the sequels are all about. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of interested. I'm intrigued. I want to see. It, it's three films. It's not a hard one to say. I've seen the franchise. Yeah. You know. So it, 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 the first one's good. So if if thirty three point three three repeating percent of them are good, that ain't bad. I yeah. mean, hell, we've had systems of government on less working for you so if one movie works for you great that's cool um no it's, it's definitely actually made me want to go seek out some of the other ones even if they suck just to kind of see this mythology it was intriguing it's yeah. i like to see a good sci-fi horror that isn't you know the same kind of you know space demons or something like that yeah in, in this or is case, it like a, a matrix-esque like mind fuck yeah this wasn't thing. i mean it honestly it made me kind of laugh to myself a few times when they're going out but the prime numbers play a huge role in this movie and i'm just like oh god damn it i would have been fucked <laughs> yeah. and i say that oh with yeah no the, like, pride. level of mathematics like i would have yeah i would have been dead but and i say that with no pride because i i hate it when people are like i just suck at math like it's a badge of honor no you you, you don't be bad yeah. at math and science it could save your life watch cube um, <laughs> but no, nah, I just I I was impressed with with this one. I can see why it was recommended, and I think, like you said, this one just fell off my radar because I'm sure there was something coming out in the late '90s that took over. Probably Matrix, um, yeah, which was like a year or two later. But it didn't have a huge wide release. Uh, it had some theatrical, but it wasn't everywhere. Right. It was mostly a, a on video sleeper hit. Yeah, I believe the video store market, you know, this one uh, got word of mouth and just slowly became kind of a cult classic to the point where it was, you know, five years or more, I think, before they got a sequel. Yeah. So, you know, I think it slowly grew grew in popularity and, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because it's, like I said, I guess at the top of the show, it's one of those I remember coming out. Like, I could remember this, you know box being at the video store uh, yeah but just kind of being like oh what's this looking at it being like oh that looks okay but that never you know ne- it was never the one that you took home like <laughs> for right. some reason or other but right and i think by the time i got to college which was like three years later i mean i think about the movies that were recommended to me then from people i was meeting and it was stuff you know most of it i'd already seen but it was things like everybody was talking about fight club or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, or Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, for, for popular films, obviously The Matrix, and, I mean, I still remember in college hearing some people talk about, you know they're going to make other Matrix movies? And going, why? Um, <laughs> and and this is one that I remember getting brought up, and it was simply a, oh, it's good, I think you'd like it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll add that to the list, and I just never got around to it. So yeah, I appreciate the so, recommendation yeah. for this week because I'm I'm glad I got to see this one. 
Yeah, it was one that I totally had forgotten about until I was just scrolling through Tubi trying to, like, I, we were putting yeah. together lists of, of picks for the show, and uh, I was like, oh, Cube. I think I heard that was supposed to be good, so I just, like, throw it on there. And, uh, yeah, so this is one of those I didn't get burned on. I've been burned on a few recently <laughs> that, I, that I've done, you know, ones I have not watched before and just uh, threw on the list, so. Well, do you um, have any, like, final thoughts for uh, Anna Great? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. Um, I really think I liked it. Although, like, I agree with you that the acting at points were was a little, little wonky. But then again, it was all very like archetypal. Like they were really trying strongly to make a point. So the script kind of does that at times too. Like it just it, the dialogue becomes something that's a little more, a little less believable and a little more like, hey, I'm you know I'm really trying to make a point with this. Right. Um, but I don't know, it's pretty great, like, Twilight Zone-esque kind of, like, sociopolitical sci-fi. And I guess it, it's weird that we never brought up the Twilight Zone before. Oh, it's it there, yeah. Because it definitely has that feeling to it. Yeah, totally. In fact, I believe there's a Twilight Zone episode called, like, Five People Trapped in a something that's, that's kind of similar to this premise in the first place. Um, but... I really disagree with the the whole idea that uh, every review that I negative review I read was upset about the lack of explanation, and these are for, not, not just from people, were from some people, but from like act like film critics and such too, um, were really upset that there wasn't some like bones to like what was going on with the cube, who created the cube, etc. Um, and I actually feel like that was a really big strength for me here because it, it put the focus where it needed to be um, for the you know for what the movie was trying to say. And let you kind of explore the concept and the message without like big unnecessary like oh yeah by the way aliens or whatever you know um, it it just doesn't doesn't matter in the end who or what or where or why the cube is it's it is what it is and it's about these characters interacting um, so yeah that's that's the stuff about the movie that like really the effects to me were fine there's like one or two memorable trap scenes generally they're not great it's really about that interplay between the characters and kind of the um, watching our different, you know, our different worldviews kind of come come and butt heads, which is just so relevant to the election and everything that's going yeah. on right now, uh, that it was a really good time to watch it because I think it had a lot to say that was, you know, affecting, you know, things that were already going on in my mind. So um, I think even the filmmakers at that time had something to say about like this, you know, it, it, people being increasingly toxic, like with their political worldview, and um, that is like really, really relevant right now. Not a perfect movie, but it's a lot of fun, and it's it's a ninety-minute film that will like kind of fly by. I feel like it, it just it's very well done, and I agree with you. I'm glad you brought it up that it, this would make a great stage play. I think somebody should should. Uh, attempt that so i'm gonna give this one a b plus actually i i I enjoyed it and i feel like it's got some important stuff to say that even it might be even more relevant now than it was in 97 i it's funny i'm gonna echo pretty much a lot of those same sentiments i was really impressed with this one um again it's a bit dated it's late 90s um it it's uh it, it definitely takes itself very seriously but i i think it works um I love the fact that you don't learn about the origin. That's also, you know, we, we mentioned other movies where you have people in a tense situation and they're they're trying to figure out how to get out of it and, you know, they butt heads over it. I think that's a key here. I think if they did have a reveal 
they get close in some moments to teasing information out about some of the characters and they're you know the one guy who helped design part of it but he doesn't really know mm -hmm. why and all that kind of stuff um you mentioned night of the living dead at the, the top of the show and i think that's a, a good thing to bring up yet again because in that movie there's no understanding and and there's no exposition as to what's causing it there are some hints thrown out but you never learn why in night of the living dead there are zombies why the dead are walking you never learn that you never learn in cube why everybody's there who's designed this and why and i think it makes both films stronger because imagine a situation where you have a whole bunch of different archetypes and they're in a room and they quickly learn what's going on then they start forming teams and allies and or alliances with each other against an enemy and there you go but in this case like night of the living dead like a number of other ones there isn't that exposition there is no explanation and so that in and of itself adds to further frustration because we like to know shit that's happening to us. We want to know a why. And sometimes there isn't one. It's because bad things happen, right? And in this case, it, it works really, really well. I think if they would have done a reveal, it would have hurt this a lot more. Um, the effects and the acting have spotty moments, but considering we're talking about a fairly low-budget movie... Um, you know, this this had a budget of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's it, and it made nine million, which is pretty damn good. But yeah, it had a budget of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not three hundred million, three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> um, you know, this could have been financed on a handful of credit cards. It was really quite <laughs> impressive that way, and it yeah. it works. Um, when it when the acting and the performances work they work great when they don't work it shows but the story is good enough and it keeps you going i love absolutely loved the use of mathematics in this because as i said before there's it's very depressing how people pride themselves on being bad at math and in this one math is the hero you know, the ability to solve mathematical equations, complex, astronomical, um, is really <laughs> the hero in this. And that's cool as shit. So if there's no other more, there's a lot of morals you can pull from this one. And one of them is, you know, learn math. The moral of Breaking Bad is to pay teachers more. The moral of Cube is learn math. <laughs> That's and right. so I'm actually going to agree with you on the grade. I'm going to give this one a B plus. It's got a few uh, very minor stumbling blocks around the way along the way, but overall, this one is uh, is definitely one to check out if if you haven't seen it. And it's free on Tubi. I think we mentioned that a bunch of times, That's but right. I'll mention it again. Yeah, no cost, and uh, go check it out. This is this is one of those you. Uh, definitely aren't going to lose on for free watch so but uh we'd like to know if anybody who's listening has seen cube or any of the sequels and have anything to add we would absolutely as always welcome any questions comments criticisms or witticisms about the show or the topic at hand and please feel free to forward those on to video junkyard podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at video junk pod or find us on the facebook page for the video junkyard podcast or the video junkyard podcast group if you write it we'll read it and we would love to share it with everyone else 
And coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast next week, uh, what are we watching, Joe? Because i got nothing on the schedule. <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to figure that one out. I thought we actually had some stuff on our schedule. You know what? Next week we are going to be revisiting another 90s film um, that uh, is also a little bit... Well, not 90s, early 2000s film, but at this point it's 19 years old. We are going to be revisiting the 2001 film Donnie Darko. Ah, yes, nice. And we'll see. This is one I loved happen. at one point in my life, so we'll see. We'll I see. think a lot of people did, and th- I, I, we're going to pull another uh, Boondock Saints. <laughs> we're yeah, going to we pull might. a Boondock Saints. We're going to lose more listeners potentially <laughs> by daring to threaten a film favorite to see is it really worth being a favorite 19 years later. Yeah. So we'll check that one out next. And uh cool. Yeah. And hopefully when we you hear us next, it is a better world. <laughs> but we'll, I hope so. But if it's not, we're watching a movie about time travel. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well we're gonna have to figure that out. If it goes if it goes the wrong way tomorrow, we'll we'll start working on that. We'll get but we'll beef up on our mathematics. We learned that's important now. It's so very important. We should be able to figure out time travel, no problem. Absolutely. So want to thank anyway. you for <laughs> checking out the Video Junkyard podcast, and we please beg you and implore you to share around. Um, and uh, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud and tell your friends. I'm sure we'll talk about something they like at some point or another. Until next time, <laughs> this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. This may be hard for you to understand, but there is no conspiracy. Nobody is in charge. It's, it's a headless blunder operating under the illusion of a master plan. Can you grasp that? Big Brother is not watching you. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels.